Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Old School, coming to you live from Studio 76, or something like Studio 76, where we have had multiple pieces of hardware fail tonight, and subsequently we hope that this audio works for any of you. Uh, I am joined tonight by Trevor Sykema, Tampa Bay Trey from the PewterReport.com staff. Uh, actually, what is your official title at PewterReport.com? Because I always give Mark credit because he's editor-in-chief or whatever. Yeah. That always sounds vaguely sexual. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Who is the chief, by the way? I mean... Oh, man. That, now, every single time that he puts that title down for a preview article, I'm just going to think it's sexual. It and is. And then I'm going to have to think of the word sexual and Mark Cook, and now I'm just going to have to resign from Sexual ginger. <laughs> There's the next drink. Uh, my official title is actually the Buccaneers Beat Reporter for PeterReport.com. That doesn't sound nearly important enough for what you do, but that's okay. We'll rock with it. We are excited tonight to have Trevor with us. We're going to talk Buccaneers football. I know it's been a while since we've been live at What the Buck, so I apologize for that. I'll give you a little bit of background on that. But before we get into that, let's do some housekeeping. Because to be honest, I went to Cincinnati for the game, and one of the most amazing things is that we have sponsors. Uh, now, it's different than what you guys do. Obviously, you guys have a real business that you guys have to maintain, which is always a challenge. We do it on the charity side, which is mm-hmm. a little bit different. Uh, and that iPhone is just killing us. Yep. It really is. Literally, there's nothing I, you, there's I nothing I you totally can do. Forgot. I totally forgot. That's all good. You told me literally 90 seconds ago not to put my phone near the mic or the microphone, and I just did it. It happens. It happens. The uh, the folks from Yingling came on board with us this year, which is fantastic. Local Tampa Bay Brewery, obviously out of Philadelphia, uh, America's oldest beer. One of as my I favorite beers. One of my favorite beers, in yep. fact. So it's convenient sometimes when that sort of stuff happens. Those guys have turned out to be fantastic. And so I get to Cincinnati. We go to... One of the other Hall of Fame tailgates, Bengal Bomb Squad. Good friends, uh, fantastic people. They hosted us for dinner on Saturday night, like a happy hour thing. And then we went to their tailgate. And what do I see? But, you know, coolers full of yingling. I was like, wow, that's really nice. You guys got us, uh, you know, yingling to make us feel at home. And he's like, no, your guys from yingling took care of us. And oh, they, they awesome. sent beer up. So Tom and the crew over there, thanks to the guys over there. Thanks to Steps Towing, our platinum sponsor, Steakhouse Elite, and, of course, Tito's Vodka. And now my friends at Steakhouse Elite are going to be like, damn it, we would have sent burgers. Um, but but that wasn't why I said it. It was fantastic that those guys do what they do. Uh, another shout-out, though, to the Bengal Bomb Squad, Big John and, and Huday and the whole crew up there. They know what we do from a charity perspective, and so what they did was they created – I don't even – I have one in the other room. They made these shot glasses that had both of our logos, and they also made a, a number of us from crew honorary members of the Bengal Bomb Squad, so we're the Tampa Bay Squadron. That's cool. And That's all of cool. the proceeds went to our charity this month, month, which happens to be The Spring, which is the Domestic Violence Abuse Support Center here in Tampa. They raised at their tailgate $555 that they donated to our charity. So to the whole team up there, thank you. And for those of you who don't um, understand that it does mean more than just what happens between the whistles. That's exactly what it is. So the spring is our charity this month. We'll get you the nets from the last tailgate, and then we'll be sliding into November, which means that my majestic beard will go away, and I will be rocking some vestige of a porn stash um, <laughs> for mo- November. Um, and, and you're welcome to join me if you'd like to. It's a fashion statement that you, you could probably pull off. You're so, a fetching young man. So, so you just want me to shave everything but the mustache. So the way the rules actually work is you shave entirely and then you grow the mustache throughout the month oh and you try and craft it into whatever you can. Oh now, because wow. I grow facial hair at a relatively decent clip, I can get that, get away with that. But it does limit the creativity you can sure. uh, you can throw into it. Sure. My dad has a legendary Whoa. mustache that he has rocked for years. And so 
I don't even know if I'm ready for that because that is already well embedded into my family. And uh, I don't know if I tried to replicate my father, if it would go well. Well, we have a team, our Movember team. You're welcome to join. We'd love to have you on okay. there. And it, I got to tell you, it's, it is a good conversation starter because it is a <laughs> massive movement. And, uh, and and like I had my IDs from some of my client locations. Sure, yeah. And they're like, listen, I got to ask. Like, it's not a bad looking mustache, but a mustache really and i'm like what <laughs> but but you tell the story and then people are like oh that's kind of cool yeah, right, right so november's coming up and we'll be back in doing that thing so like i said we got trevor here tonight um i've never done this for popularity which is good because it sure as fuck hasn't made me popular so it's working uh it's just like playing um but i do want to start out with i wish i had sound drops because i'd have a baby crying and and we were talking off the air i tend to stay on social media like you do during the game mm-hmm and roughly seven minutes and 42 seconds into this game, the collective from the fan base, which then quickly degraded into anger and then anger into vitriol. And I know Thomas Bassinger just talked about it. The venom that exists in social media right now is very tough, guys. And now I'm not pointing any fingers because, to be honest, I just don't care to. Um, but we're going to talk about tonight the Buccaneers team. What I'd like to talk about tonight is the Buccaneers team as it sits now. Mm-hmm. What is it? Who are they? We will talk about Jameis Winston in the quarterback situation because we have to. The quarterback's important. Touches the ball on every single offensive play. Unless you do direct snaps, strictly speaking. But you get the point. Um, Little Ronnie Brown action. Hey, listen. With the the Dolphins. Another draft bust, Carnell Williams. He has no knees. (laughs) Guys, could we not use the word? Bust is now illegal. We can't use the word draft bust anymore because people are just using it all the time. Anyway, we will talk about Jameis Winston. We'll talk about the team. Um... We'll talk about the defense, because there are certainly a couple of camps that are lining up. And Trey, you may have seen other camps, so I'd like to see what you're seeing in your social media, because you're a massive social media maven compared to me. You've got like 43 trillion followers. (laughs) Um, I rounded up. Um, Of course. But is there a single failure that you see on this team causing what is going on, and by what is going on, this team not to win every game? Yeah. (laughs) Because with the exception of the Chicago game. Well, if uh, them not winning every game, I think the big problem is them not having Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. I think that's really just what it all boils down to. I wish Jason Light would get off his ass and get Tom Brady and Bill Belichick down here. I mean, the trade deadline came and passed, and Brady's not a buck. I just don't even understand it. Golden Tate is chuckling at us right now. You got seven seven picks. Why didn't you just trade them all for Brady? Listen, there was a seventh-round Michigan quarterback available sometime. We could have gotten him. (laughs) Um, this is true. But let's let's talk about the things that are sort of hot points right now, it seems. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quarterback, obviously, we'll talk right. about. The defense, obviously, um, which I think bears yeah. some investigation. Yeah. And I hate that I had to say bears because the bears are one of the things that has triggered the, the downslide. Um, the kicking game, which is a big pile of dog shit. <laughs> um, that's a technical term, guys. That's not profanity. That's no, a football term. It's a football term. Yeah, it's, a big pi- it's a big pile of dog shit. Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, what you see as the Bucks beat reporter, because mm-hmm. you have a very official Thank capacity you. Appreciate here. It. Appreciate it. It's true. Um, what's going on with the leadership? Yeah. Right? Because yeah. Tell, walk me through your watching of the game and when you would have pulled Jameis, if you would have. Because like, the answer could be I would not have pulled him. Yeah. So, I mean, I do a, I do a halftime Q and A. Ask is, me anything. Yeah, it's and, and it's pretty rousing because it is literally a ask me anything. I get a lot of Bucks questions. What I mostly get, but people can ask me. You know, hey, what's my favorite snack? What's my favorite cereal? You know, some love advice, things like that. I've answered all kinds of questions, and it's a lot of blast. It's a it's a blast for Tampa Bay Trey, gets, the love doctor. Gets, I like who it. Who gets involved in it? But 
you know, a lot of the questions were about Jameis Winston, what you do with him. And I continued to answer every question with, look, Jameis is, is proving right now that as of this moment, he's not the best quarterback on the roster. But what do you do with him? Because if you bench him, and you and I have talked a little bit about this, what happens? If you open up the door to benching the franchise quarterback, and I know some other starters have been benched here and there and come back and they've played okay. Sure. But what franchise quarterback, how many can you really name that turned it around from being benched to going to like saving the franchise kind of levels of stuff? At the same team. There are, right. The big part, and yeah, the big caveat there is with the same team. So, what do you do in that situation? And so everybody was asking me, like, hey, do they play Fitz at half? Are they gonna pull are they gonna pull Jameis Winston? I kept saying, if they want the best chance to win, they'll put Fitzpatrick in. But I, I literally st- I thought this at halftime. I was like, they won't do it. They're not going to do it. They can't do it. Dirk Cutter can't do it. Jason Light can't do it. The Glazers can't do it. They can't pull Jameis Winston. Because if they do, that means you messed up a number one overall pick as a quarterback for a team that's never had one. And that's really, really bad on your record. Now, from the Draft Network, you obviously do a lot of analysis and evaluation. You probably will anecdotally, or not anecdotally, you will off the cuff. It's not anecdotal at all. Um, you will have more recollection. Mm-hmm. Because, and listen, let's go disclaimer mode. I am a pro Jameis guy. I like him as a person, the person who I know. Sure. Uh, I am not one who got mired in the off-field stuff, and I'm not going to spend any time on this podcast talking about it, because to be honest, it's old news. Uh, and not interesting to me. I think he will be a uniquely talented player at the NFL level somewhere. I had hoped it would be here. Sure. That said, pre-draft, I've never been a quarterback number one overall guy because my instinct was that's a huge gamble. Mm -hmm. Is it your experience that it is? Or is it the fact that number one is so much better? If a quarterback bubbles to number one overall, it is so much more likely that they will be successful, that it's worth investing that. Well, I think that that's you kind of un- have to unpack that with almost a lot of context of almost every individual situation because quarterback means so much that often quarterbacks bubble up to being the number one overall pick when maybe there are obviously players who are better than them. Marcus so Russell. Y- you will see, right, I mean, there's all kinds of examples of guys like that, but you will see number one overall pick quarterbacks that don't necessarily deserve to go number one. Now, in the case of the 2015 NFL draft at the time, Jameis was number one. Jameis should have gone number one. Mariota should have gone number two. And if you wanted to flip him, I would have been like, okay, whatever. Sure. Now, I thought that even at the time, Jameis Winston was the correct pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like everything involved. Him playing at Florida State, mm-hmm. the person that he was, how they needed a vocal leader on offense, all that kinds of stuff. I thought that he was the correct pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But... Coming out, and you asked me kind of as a, as a draft analyst here, coming out, the major weaknesses for Winston were both decision-making. One was decision-making off the field. How much could you trust him? And then the other part was there are times when Jameis truly feels like he is just invincible on the football field. He's not somebody who will ever throw the ball away. He thinks he can make every throw, and he thinks that he can even become good enough to make every throw if he can't make it. And so there was a big lack of consequence worry with Jameis Winston coming out. I don't want to say big. I just want to say that because he was truly thought of as a home run prospect. People Mm -hmm. really did think that this guy was going to be the next big deal. And I thought that too. I thought even when I watched him in his first year at Florida State that this kid was going to be something special. Sure. But here we are four years later, and those two big worries are still his worries. 
And at some point, it's just got to become less, and it's never become less for him. In fact, now it's even more because there's more time on the field. He's in his fourth year. And this is right now, this is like the worst Jameis Winston's played. They can tell me that he's doing the little things better here and there, but the results of what he's doing with the ball in his hand aren't aren't consistent enough to what he needs to be. That's the magical word, and that wasn't one of the words that was discussed as the issue, right? And and that's one of the analysis things that I think that we don't spend enough time on. And and to be honest, if you're a fan of the franchise, you answered the question correctly in the Ask Me Anything, apparently. Uh, will they pull Jameis at halftime? And Cheryl and I were at the game. We were at Paul Brown Stadium, which was fantastic, by the way. Cincinnati has a great stadium. I'm it was a terrific experience. You're saying it was great. Oh, it was. It was absolutely about. fantastic. Um, when they decided to take Jameis out, it wasn't just to bench a player who's having a bad game because that happens. Now, it's not as common as, as, as you know sitting a starter in baseball, which happens fairly common. All the time. Right. Right. But this thing does happen. Sometimes you just don't have the stuff. And, and sometimes it's physical. Sometimes it's mental. It, it could be any of a number of things. Mm-hmm. And you need a reboot. Hell, back when I was coaching basketball and back when I played basketball, if you're on a cold streak, go make a layup. Show that there's a basket there that you can score in. But for this franchise, at this point, with this quarterback, right. pulling him out, do you see a scenario in which Jameis Winston takes another snap for the Buccaneers this season outside of injury? I do, but I don't, again, so like, I, I don't know if that's the right thing. Because at this point, I don't even think Jameis Winston's the right quarterback for the Buccaneers. But just like I kind of didn't think that they would bench him, I see a scenario, because let, let's face it, there are, uh, what, nine games left in the season? There's nine games left, right? What are the odds that Fitzpatrick doesn't struggle enough within nine games, knowing who Fitzpatrick's been in throughout his career? Because remember, if Fitzpatrick even puts back-to-back bad starts, which a quarterback's lease should be a lot more than that, but knowing the situation, if Fitzpatrick has bad, two bad back-to-back starts, they could easily go, yeah, we're going with Jameis. We're going back to Jameis. And this could all be a whole thing of, oh, you know, just giving him a breather and getting his psyche right and all this kind of stuff, but there's a chance to where he shouldn't come back. And if Fitzpatrick continues to ball out, he shouldn't play again. And then if you go if you go into next season with Fitzpatrick having played all nine games out, mm-hmm. he cannot be on the roster before March. He can't be. You cannot spend $20 million to bring back the same quarterback that you benched in the middle of the year the year before. No way. That's not a, $20 million on... The, and remember, this is 20 mil on a... Um, fifth year option, which means it's fully guaranteed, which means he is on the books for $20 million worth of cap, non-negotiable. You're putting in a quote unquote win now window, you're putting $20 million of your cap hampered on a quarterback that you don't even know you believe in. No way. So let's, let's try and pull back the emotional shroud that all of us have. And this is tough because a lot of people get attached to players. Uh, and, and I have been clean about the fact that I am attached. I've seen Jameis do things on the field that had me excited as a fan. And that's a unique thing. Um, that said, win now. Win now window. The Super Bowl that we won was with a journeyman, old-ass, mediocre quarterback. 34-year-old, yep. Right? And I love Brad Johnson, but I, my description was probably overly uh, flattering. Uh, I honestly and genuinely believe that Ryan Fitzpatrick is significantly better than Brad Johnson. You're right. The question in the chat room that was asked was are there different plays called for Ryan Fitzpatrick than there are for Jameis ah, Winston? Hmm. Now, I'm going to ask you, 
whether you see them, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer first so it doesn't look like I'm leading the witness. Mm-hmm. When I was watching the game, I did not see a significant difference in strategy. Now, he came into a game we were behind. The defensive strategy did not significantly change. The Cincinnati Bengals, from my perspective, now you do a great cover three, and typically you dig in deeper than most do. Mm-hmm. What I saw the Cincinnati Bengals doing was alternating between single high and cover two, mm-hmm. but when they went single high, they would drift the safety back who had crept to the line, typically to Mike's side. They would show single coverage to Mike Evans and then drop back. And a number of times, Jameis made the read properly. Right, That was not where the interception problem was happening. That right. happened later right. on right. in the red zone, and it was not in that coverage. It was actually against uh, cover two. But Fitz came out and faced the same defense. Mm-hmm. There was not significant change. The difference was everyone seemed to execute better under his orchestration. Right. The conductor of the orchestra changed he didn't they didn't change the violas they didn't come and bring in new timpanies right what are your thoughts about this yeah so i'm i don't think that the game plan completely changes i I don't think that there's two different things that are necessarily calling different plays but i will say that you know we saw it in the worst way on sunday that and you and i talked a little bit about this the whole natural accuracy thing right and look Jameis has never been a naturally accurate guy. Now, he can make some throws crazy. that'll wow you. Yeah. When Jame- Jameis is very much a momentum man. When Jameis Winston is feeling it, when he's completed a couple in a row, um, when it just happens to be his moment, that kid can throw the football. But from stop to start, he's as, he's as inconsistent as they come in the NFL. Now, that, does, that is not limited to just Sundays either. I have to believe that it's in practice too. And I have to think the coaching staff knows that. And so I don't necessarily think that they're calling, maybe like calling different plays or this and that. But Dirk Cutter always says this. He says that coverage dictates where the ball goes. Yes, there's a hot read on every single play, but they have enough weapons on the team to where there is at least a second and third option on what you do. Some plays, it's obvious that this is more where you're going to want to go with the ball. But a lot of times there is coverage. For example, Deshaun... Pretty sure. Now, I don't know the exact play because it didn't come into my headset. Pretty sure Deshaun was not the hot read against Philadelphia on the first play of the game. What Fitzpatrick saw is that he had the biggest matchup there and he could float the ball underneath him and he can get the most out of it. So that's where it's you're, you're never sure whether or not they're calling, calling or not calling plays for Jameis. But I don't again, there's no doubt now that Fitzpatrick runs it better, that he sees the field better than he knows. The coverages are better. So I don't know. I don't I don't think I believe that whole thing. And if I do, it's actually more of a negative on Jameis because I would think they're saying, oh, they're calling him different plays. Listen, <laughs> Dirk Cutter's trying to save his job, okay? He's not doing this for pride. He's not doing this to spite Jameis. If there is any different plays that he's calling here and there, you know why? It's because Jameis can't hit him. So... Your point about what that you conveyed from Dirk is 100% accurate by Coach Cutter, right? Every play you line up, you've got a primary. Mm-hmm. The primary stays the primary unless the defense dictates a shift. Right. Right, that's your pre-snap read. We've mm-hmm. gone over this on the show a thousand times. It's still tough for folks who've never played or have never coached. It, this is a complicated thing. This is the chess part of football, which is so exciting right. once you start to understand it. Right. So when the, when the quarterback surveys the field, calls out the mic, understands the coverage, makes his initial read, he has to determine – 
okay, is my primary still my primary or do I need to make an adjustment? Mm -hmm. Now, adjustments can be general, meaning check from the primary to a secondary or tertiary receiver. It can also mean an actual audible, which are not nearly as simple to do as people seem to think. Right. Um, and it can just be, you know, a kill if you're in a pass to go to a run or if you're in a run to go to a pass. Mm -hmm. There are a number of these things that are good. When you have a guy with massive amounts of experience versus a guy with not massive amounts of experience, it is my opinion that that other guy that has the experience <laughs> will generally be better at this shit. This is very true. <laughs> right? This doesn't take yeah. – it's not Newt Rockney on the mic right now, right? right? This right. is just basic bitch shit. If I've done this a thousand times, I'm going to be better than you are, mm -hmm. generally speaking, mm -hmm. at recognizing it. Now, can I then deliver the ball? And, and that's the difference. Now – um, that's a big question with a lot of these older quarterbacks is the smarter you get, can the arm keep hold up, up to with it. you? Right. right, right. Now that throw he made to Mike Evans, we're lucky we were going that direction on the field because the wind was with us in that direction. Yeah. And he was able to get air in it because I watched him in warmups and Fitz's arm, like he jokes about it in practice, right? He's got a decent arm. He can throw the ball out there. Right. But he's throwing it as hard as he can fucking oh, throw it. Oh, yeah. It wasn't what it yeah. was. But um, the, it's not even... <laughs> they don't just hit the square button to call an audible patches. You're absolutely right. It's not just square. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out, though. Um, so let's let's stay on the on the Jameis topic for a second, and then we'll we'll move over to defense because I want to spend some time on the defense too because yeah, there yeah. is there's a very strong camp that says, listen, you can blame the quarterback all you want, but with a defense that's that's letting people score on the, at this rate, um, there's nothing any offense could do. Yeah, Court, uh, listen, I just want to say this. Quarterback gets too much blame and too much credit. Like that's that's always yep, a thing. Always right? true. Cutter says that as hero well. or goat. That's it. Right. It's that's very much a Cutter thing as well. That the quarterback takes more blame than he should oftentimes, and he takes more credit than he should oftentimes. But people got to understand that whether they like to admit it or not, Fitzpatrick now has a winning record with this same defense that was a Mike Smith defense, and not only does he have a winning record, he's put up historic numbers efficiency-wise as well, in those first two weeks. Jameis Winston, whether they want to admit it or not, hurts the team just like he helps the team. And as of right now, that ratio of how much he hurts the team is too high in how much he helps it, especially when you know that there's another quarterback that's there that could run it better in the offense and overcome the defense a little bit more. That's kind of my always been my thing with Jameis. Can Jameis throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns? Yeah, sure, he can. But he's also susceptible to hurting the team right. way more than even Fitzpatrick is. And we've seen that. And that's that's a big argument here because you're talking about your franchise quarterback hurting you more than a your backup. So let's take it beyond this season, which is not going to be a popular conversation, but that's okay. We started with we're not popular anyway. Um, well, you were popular when you had more hair. But wow. Thank you for reminding me. You look dapper. It's fine. <laughs> so... I think I need a bow tie to look dapper, but, you know. My I'll son's got one you can wear. It's a rainbow okay. bow tie. All right, wear. great. Wow, so swagged out. Love he is swagged out. He's got the suspenders it. to match. Don't wow, worry. Wow, love it. Um, anyway, beyond this season. Yep. There is a question that has to be answered, and you alluded it to when you said you can't keep a player on your roster for a fifth-year option, guaranteed $20 million, not because you don't want to pay him $20 million. Make no mistake about it. An owner of a football franchise does not begrudge the $20 million they pay to a, a, a great quarterback or a really talented player. Yeah. They begrudge the opportunity cost. If I give that person $20 million, I have less money to sign X other people right. who I may want to keep as well. Right. That's the big challenge. Right. Now, there's all sorts of crazy you know, fuckery that can go on around the cap that can be manipulated. But mm -hmm. if this team, Brain Trust, whoever you want to call it, Jason Light, the Glazers, uh, some person that's in the basement at One Buck Place who we don't know, believes Jameis Winston, despite not performing well this year, 
is the right guy long term. He's still young. He's still got a tremendous amount of talent. Mm -hmm. You could absolutely rock Fitzpatrick to win now, let Jameis learn from Fitz, Mm -hmm. and then give him another cut at it next year. Right? That's long ball. I, I don't know a lot of teams that will do that kind of shit. If you would ask me, I wouldn't. Because you would rather roll the dice on another quarterback. I because you're going to go. Ryan Griffin is not the heir apparent. No, no, no. We need to get that out of here now. So many people ask me about Ryan Griffin at halftime, and I'm like, look, man, he's what is he? 28, about to be 29. He's never taken a regular season snap. Listen, I love the kid. He was happening, man. He was beating the shit out of Ryan Fitzpatrick before uh, the season. He got injured, but I I agree. I don't think he's the. He's not going to step up and be the next Bruce Grad. Wait Mm -hmm. a minute. Oh, wow. Okay. Why did I go to the Polish pistol? <laughs> you can't throw him under the bus like that. No, I actually like Ryan. No, and man, the thing is, with I still think Jameis is talented. I think everybody would tell you he's talented. But I don't know if it's ever going to be in Tampa Bay. I think before I, before Jameis before Jameis retires, he wins at least one Super Bowl. You still think? Not here. See, I, and that's he, why I was sad. I was sad in Cincinnati because I saw what I thought right. is the end of a career of someone who I thought I would right. watch until my sons are out of high school and I think, play for the Bucks. And I think that's, you know, if we're going to, if, if I can go back and set up all of this, and I brought this point up a couple of times when I've written and when I've talked and everything like that, the very first time that we ever saw Jameis Winston, any of us, it was the game that Florida State played Pittsburgh, and it was his redshirt freshman season. He was making his first start. He threw for... 356 yards, four touchdowns, only had two incompletions. Florida State routed the crap out of him. And he went on to have an undefeated season after that. They He won the Heisman, won the national championship. He threw for over 4,000 yards. As a college quarterback, very difficult to do. 40 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. This kid was the greatest thing in college football. That was the very first impression we had of him. And even, I, you know, I recall this myself. I said, this kid is going to be incredible. Next year, takes a little bit of a step back. Obviously, he has the things of him being in the news. I think he threw 25 touchdowns and some interception in the teens, something like that. Was not nearly as efficient as he was then. And then you have his three years in the NFL, and it's all been the same. Jameis Winston, since that very first redshirt freshman year when he was 19 years old, has never had a season anywhere close to that. But we always think he can because it was the very first thing that we saw. And when he was drafted by the Buccaneers, what you just said there of envisioning a guy to start for this franchise who has never had a talented franchise quarterback, like in in James' situation where you draft a dude number one overall and he pans out and they just saw, like you said, they saw 15 years. They saw watching this guy with their kids, you know, telling their kids, man, I remember when I was at James' first Mm -hmm. game, 15 years later, two Super Bowls later, uh, statue outside of Raymond James later. And it's really, really hard for people to give that up right now. And they don't have to yet. He's still on the team, but I'm with you. What I saw on Sunday in Cincinnati put all of that so much further in jeopardy than it's ever been in jeopardy before. And my goodness, I never thought that I was going to say that this season. Now, one of the things I'll encourage listeners out there, whether you're in the live chat room, I appreciate all you guys over in the chat room live, or you listen to the podcast after the fact. I can only give you my opinion, just like Trey, right? We, we can only tell you what we think, what we feel. We both tend to be relatively emotive, so we're going to tell you in, in heated tones sometimes. Um, I would encourage folks not to start getting into the uh, speculative, emotive side of, has he lost the locker room? That's going on in the chat room. Uh, is his head not in the game? Like These things become very interesting because everything has been turned into a reality show in our lives. Mm-hmm. When it comes down to football, can people lose a locker room? Yes. 
It happens. It's a real thing. Do I think I get to see enough to to discern that? No. Now, you may. You're one buck all the time. Yeah. So what's your thought about this? Like, I don't like delving into it because I can't, I don't get access to it enough. And if I do, it's secondhand, right? That's like me saying, hey, does that girl like that guy? And and a third person says, yes. That's hearsay to the second power. Right. A couple things here. Uh, Deshaun Jackson is the greatest deep threat receiver to ever play the game, statistically. Obviously, he passed Jerry Rice for the 24-60 yard touchdown. Um, He wanted out. And I know that for a fact. And he wanted out because Jameis. That's it. He liked everybody define else. Define because Jameis and define like. Those are two very powerful statements you just made, and I need you to clarify them. Okay. Um, Jameis. Uh, uh, so I can't necessarily. Oh, you walked into it, didn't you, son? I can't, <laughs> I can't necessarily confirm anything like this, but I don't think Deshaun at any point ever bought into who Jameis was as a leader. But he signed anyway, right? He did. He signed. He did. He cashed the checks, he right? He did. He okay. did. He did. And when you know of somebody and when you briefly meet somebody, it's a little bit different than marrying somebody, right? Sure. Um, if you date somebody yeah. and you've never lived with them um, and all of a sudden uh, you get married, you live with them for the first time, you get to, you get to, you get to find out their crap, if you will. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a little bit what I think Deshaun and Jameis was like. I think that he knew of Jameis. He had hung out with Jameis a little bit. You know, they've tossed it around a little bit on an open football field. Right. But now he's at practice with them every day. Now he's got to now he's got to catch balls from them. And now his like you were saying there, his money, his check, who he is, his legacy depends on Jameis Winston. He wanted none of it. He didn't believe it and he lost faith in it quick. And a lot of people called Deshaun a diva. Look, man, wide receivers, it's kind of part of the drill. That's just how it is. But I will say this he gave up on Jameis quick. And Deshaun's played in this league a long time, and I don't think he's ever given up on a quarterback like he gave up on Jameis. That's just what I think, okay? That's what I think from being around the situation, right. seeing little social media things, seeing how they interact, seeing tone when these guys talk. That's kind of how I see that. Another thing, Jameis Winston has lost his job now twice this season, once off the field, once on the field, okay? He wasn't a part of the marketing campaign when the thing started. I get it. He was suspended. That's the reason why. But he also, they waited to vote for captains, for Winston to come back so he could get voted as a captain. Right. He didn't. That's the whole roster. That's 53 dudes. 53 dudes chose Mike and Allie over well, James What Winston. was the count? Uh, I don't know the count. I right. do not know the count. I wish I knew the count. Right. Because if we knew the count, we'd actually know if that meant anything. Right. Because right, this captain discussion's happened with other players in the last 10 years. But And normally, I don't give a crap about captainship, really. Like, it's not that big of a deal. It's really not. But when you held out the captain's vote... For this reason, mm-hmm. and it didn't happen, that now holds a little bit of weight. Yeah, it's it's interesting they did do that. I don't think they could have anticipated a historic first three games by Ryan Fitzpatrick, which would have put a chink in any quarterback's armor who's coming back. <laughs> right, right. right? Um, it's a little unfair. Look, it's a little unfair, but what are you going to do? He you, did. He balled out with the weapons he had. He yeah. overcame the worst defensive coordinator in the NFL. You know? What are you going to do? Nothing. You're going to give him the credit he deserves. Right. The thing that I haven't been able to figure out is why we can't give one person credit without disparaging another. It's like everyone thinks that everything in life has to be a zero-sum game. No. Everybody thinks that stuff's black and white. Listen. It's not. Life is great. Listen, I love what Deshaun Deshaun Jackson can do on the field. But anyone who's watched Deshaun Jackson for beyond his time in Tampa knows you can tell whether Deshaun Jackson's going to have a good game by the first five routes he runs. Yeah. 
he's either in the game or he's not. Sure. If you feed Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun's always in the game. Sure. And that's okay. Like, that doesn't bother me. That doesn't make me think less of Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson has been a mercenary, right? And that's okay. He's he's a killer on the field, and that's right. great. That's why on third at third and four, or whatever it was, the only drive in the fourth quarter by Ryan Fitzpatrick that we didn't convert, right? They put Deshaun Jackson in the backfield, and everyone in the entire United States knew it was a screen pass to Deshaun Jackson. What does Deshaun Jackson not do typically well? Break tackles in the flat. But that's the play. They didn't need anyone else. All they needed was you to snap the ball to Ryan and Ryan to kick the ball over to Deshaun Jackson, right? But they fed Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. Now, I don't care one way or the other. But what I wish that we would do is not get so tied up in the emotional side of that. Like, I, I, I love the emotion side of football. Like, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm those sorts of things, mm-hmm. right? And to skip in the chat room, we were both emotionally attached to Jameis. I still will be. Wherever he goes, and make no bones about it, fact, I do believe that Jameis, win- Jameis Winston's career in Tampa is over. That doesn't make me happy. But I'll right. root for him wherever he goes. Right. I won't stop being a Bucks fan, but I'll root for Jameis. Sure. Just like if Gerald McCoy had gone somewhere else, another – you know, common whipping boy who clearly is no good because look how much better the defense is doing because he's not on the field. <laughs> and if you believe that that's a valid argument, by the way, go ahead and check out of this conversation. <laughs> but the thing that I think we have to focus on is what you've said and what others have seen and what we witnessed again. Ryan Fitzpatrick gives his team the best chance to win now. Yes. It's not negotiable. He has reinvigorated the offense. Now, we, we can't get off this podcast without talking about how bad the right guard is and the fact that it's been that bad since, you know, the dawn of time. Well, it was left guard when Allie was over there. Yeah. Like, we get it. We don't have an offensive lineman to play that position. And it, it doesn't matter if it's Caleb Benenock or Evan Smith. I, so, I, I was new to, like, learning coaching staff. Like, has George Warhop been super good before, wherever he's been, anywhere? Like, no. anywhere? Because. But the players love him. I know they love they him. They adore this but man. I, so, like, I don't, I don't know enough about George Warhop to necessarily, like, say something one or the other. I know the players love him. But I'll tell you, like, I watched Ben and Ock's film from last year, even when he filled in at right tackle when Dot was out. And I was like, okay, he's not great at tackle, but I can see a little bit of traits that might make him a decent guard. Like, he can't play guard now. Like, this, it's just awful. And I'm just wondering... They've had a couple of different, like last year they had obviously Devin Smith and Holly was in there and, and Ben and Ock was rotating in and like all this kinds of stuff. And somehow they went into this year thinking that Ben and Ock was going to be the guy or Pample was in last year mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And they went into thinking that he was, they were going to be okay with him as the guy. And how does he play so terribly? Who messed up here? So what's interesting is, and when I watch it, there are fundamental like Evan Smith is fundamentally a decent offensive lineman. He's just long in the tooth, right? And that's he's Joe Hawley, just not Joe Hawley, right? He he's not physically without a van. Yeah, he's not physically as capable at this point in his career sure, as a, okay. as a Caleb Bennett. He's a younger guy, a bigger guy, a stronger guy. Okay. The problem with Caleb Benenock, from my experience or from what I've witnessed, is he is just fundamentally bad at most things an offensive lineman yeah, is supposed te- to do. Technical D lineman whip his, up on him. His footwork is really bad, which is why he couldn't play tackle. So you move him to guard because typically guards don't need as good a footwork unless you're playing with a lot of uh, pulling, uh, which we don't do. No. But it's not just his footwork. It's his leverage. It's his set, and it's his punch. Every part of what he does is fundamentally bad, except for his power man blocking. 
Yeah. If he was playing with another set of uh, Donald Penn on one side and yeah. another 340 guy next to him, and all we did was run man, power man, this team's, blocking. This team's got to stop running zone, by the way. We are terrible at it. They've got to stop running zone. But why I, tw- are, I tweeted this in the middle of the game. Just stop running zone. Just stop it. Why are we terrible at it? Uh, you're more of an offensive line Because guy. zone is a dance of five players at least. Oh, right, right. One of them screws it up, right. well, and the whole thing looks like a pile of that's shit. The, that's the whole thing this season, is that they have five, and I try, keep trying to tell people, they're like, oh, our offensive line's bad, and I'm like, look, I mean, I, I can't necessarily disagree with you because I've been playing terrible, but the thing with offensive line is it's five pieces, and if one of them F's up, you aren't going to have success. Yeah. And zone blocking 100% needs everybody to be together at the same time, and they just can't do it. Like, yeah. somebody screws up every single time. And that screams at Coach Warhop. And I was on right? that bandwagon. And that's kind of my, I don't, yeah. You have to know the dance. You have to understand if you're zone right, if you're zone left, when you pass off to the right, when you pass off to the left. It's not rocket science, mind you. But it, it is something you have to know. Yeah, and you have to execute can't. it the same way they every time. They just can't. They, they can't. they can't zone block. All right. So we, we agree that right guard is terrible. We agree that platooning it doesn't make it any better. We agree that the coaching staff is crazy to do that, but they continue to do it, I think, just to spite us personally. Um, and we agree that, uh, that Ryan Fitzpatrick gives us the best chance to win. Yeah. Defense. Let's go to defense. Mike Smith is gone. Everyone in the town uh, rejoices. Um <laughs> We now have players playing uh, in the secondary who have only played about 30 minutes longer than us, and they're playing their asses off. They're not always winning, right? You get uh, Stewart one-on-one with A.J. Green. Guess what? He got beat. I'm shocked. It's A.J. Green. Right. Anyone who's upset about that doesn't watch football. Guess what? It's going to happen. I I went into the game, and one of my big predictions and a big thing about the game was I said Carlton Davis is going to get a lot of A.J. Green, (laughs) and I was was glad that he was because – Davis has been playing pretty confident lately. He's been getting the thing about Davis is he's been taking his lumps, but it's been different than Hargraves because when Hargraves took his lumps his first year, killed him. Yeah. Like he it killed his confidence. You could just tell he was hurt mentally by it. Davis, when he gets beat, he gets mad. He gets like mad at himself about it. He gets taught up, and then the next week he normally comes back and he's a little bit better. That's right. what I've seen with Carlton Davis, and that's what's going to tell me he's going to be a good player. Now, he was going to get to go up against the best time when he's had in A.J. Green. I know he faced Julio, but he didn't get a lot of that matchup because they did switch a little bit. He got a ton of A.J. Green, and even the touchdown that Green got was on Davis. That's right, it was on Davis, yeah. I, I thought he played it fine. He did. He didn't get his head around. Okay, cool. Yeah, you're asking a rookie to cover a six-time all-pro wide receiver. Sure, he's going to put a move on him to where he doesn't have time to get his head around. It's just what he does. But everything else he did up to that point, I thought he did well. Mm-hmm. And even Davis was like... When he gave up the touchdown, I think he like got up at the ref and he was saying something. He's like, I had a chance at that. Like, yeah. like AJ was doing something. Yeah. He's like, you got to push. Call. And so I love that about it. So, yeah, totally. I think the secondary, all things considered, which his Instagram picture was in a cast in his Instagram picture this week. So, uh, yeah, I saw Jenna post that probably, we activated JV and Elliot. Yeah, so it's uh, probably going to be JV and Elliot. What um, cast? Was it upper or lower? It was, uh, I think, around his ankle because it was all the way to his foot, too. Was it a hard cast or was it an air cast? It was a hard cast. Shit. Okay. So. Boy, that's not good. It was kind of, it was kind of ha- ca- a cast that you get like when you're in high school, you know, and everybody signs it. it yeah, was, yeah, it yeah. It was a hard cast. Yeah, it was that's hard. Not, that's not good. Yeah, I, was, I was hoping it was like a Bledsoe boot or an air cast. No, it wasn't, it wasn't a boot. It definitely wasn't a boot. But, that makes uh, me sad. Yeah, so I, I, they're super young. And, um, well, let's, let's go beyond the secondary. Let's talk about, so there was a really heated debate about, and and it was led in in some cases by folks who were who were using this as a defense for Jameis, and and I get it as a defense for Jameis because 
the defense at the end of the game. Now, this should ring very true for anyone who watched the Bucks last year. Team in position to either win the game or is tied. Last possession, other team walks down the field uh, playing croquet or some derivative thereof and scores as if the defense is not on the field anymore. Yeah. That is vexing, especially given the damn near shutout that defense had thrown in the second half. Now, some of that is on the Cincinnati Bengals' offensive play calling. If I were a Bengals fan, I would have had an aneurysm on the possession before our touchdown to tie, where they threw the ball not once, not twice, but three times, giving us two extra timeouts and prolonging the game Mm -hmm. and not getting a first down. It was the dumbest series of football I've ever seen called, and I've watched Tampa Bay football for a long time. (laughs) But the defense gives one first down in the second half, and they don't give it till like four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. But in the last drive, they give up two first downs, a third one by penalty, I believe. Yeah. And let them move into field goal position. The the AJ Green catch, which is the one that everybody talks about, that was really tough because they were playing cover six. Oh, they were in cover six. They oh, were. I thought they were in Tampa too. I thought Lamonte didn't get his depth. Uh, well, I. The thing was is that, it, that Cincinnati saw that they were going to play cover six and they played it the call that they had was perfect against it because yes i guess you could nitpick and say that justin evans should have been higher or should have been closer up or more aggressive to be able to at least affect the ball that went to aj green right but they called a drag route from the left side of the field going straight over and yes, Levante didn't get his depth. But that's because he was covering Levante the drag. Levante had to keep his eye he on had the to drag. to stay home to the drag. Because it's a first down anyways if he gets the drag. So that's, it was, yep. pe- people were complaining about it. And I went back and I looked at the all 22 of it. And I'm like, man, that was just a good play call. Yep. You can't really, I don't even, I, don't get me wrong. I complain about four court defense more than anybody I've ever met in my life. <laughs> Every, I am just bitter at fourth quarter defense because I just think it, I don't, I don't know why. But the whole game of football, it's like, there's the first three quarters, and then the fourth quarter is a completely different brand of football. It's yeah. not even the same thing, and I don't even I don't understand it. But on that play, I was like, man, hat tip. That's yeah. all. That's all. That's all I could do. I yeah. could, you know, hat tip. Sometimes the other professionals make plays. You know, fans don't seem to think that, but I think you're right. There's something to I it. I think you might be <laughs> onto something there. You know, the other team. They got paid too, right? They did. They did get paid. It's hard to believe, I know, because it seems like it's a bunch of Publix employees lining up against the Buccaneers. Well, if you watched them play Kansas City, you certainly thought that, because I was making jokes all the way up until we were down by about 16 touchdowns about, hey, listen, I just got a text message, Kansas City scored on the Bengals again. Uh, And that was funny up until they were up by 400 points, uh, and then I had to shut up because Who Day Jesus asked me to. Yeah. Um, And there was literally a Who Day Jesus. Uh, At any rate, let's... Let's look at a couple things. Let's, let's zoom out a little bit. Uh, loss to the Falcons. Win over the Browns. Loss to the Bengals. What do we take away from these three games? Because you invert this pattern, and this is a totally different conversation. right? If our record is inverted by just those three games. So they beat the Falcons, they lose the Browns. Yeah. They beat the Bengals. They beat the Bengals. So we get two wins instead of one, one win. Right? And it's the teams you beat, right? I mean, it's a little bit different. Well, the Falcons are terrible. They're yeah. knuckleheaded terrible, but they were in that game. Yeah. Right? The only game that we weren't in this year was Chicago, who literally curb stomped us. Oh, yeah. It was yeah, one of the yeah. worst play, worst games I've seen in forever. But other you than that... You didn't go to that game, did you? No, I did okay. not. Okay. I went the last two years in a row. I didn't go this year. But, okay. um, but the Browns game, you know, turnover differential didn't help us there. 
Yeah. Though that is the only correlation to wins typically in stats. Um, but here we are against the Bengals. And was it four? Minus four. Minus four. One directly to a touchdown. Two others that led to 10 points. Mm-hmm. 17 points off turnovers. Yeah. They almost won. Tight. And they had to kick a game-winning field goal in a last, swirling, windy stadium. Last second. Yep. Right? So is this team on the brink of the apocalypse like it seems everyone thinks they are? Or are they just a mediocre team who could find could catch a tiger by the tail? Not the Bengal tiger because they lost that one. <laughs> but could Fitzmagic step back up with his, his uh, hamburger meat hanging out of his shirt and his gold chains <laughs> and get out here and get some shit done? Or, or is it just a mediocre team and we're going to be lucky to get eight wins? What are your thoughts? Um... I think it's I think it's more of the former, but I don't think they get more than eight wins, but it's more of the former. Like, I still think there's talent on this team. Like, we saw them week one outduel the Saints at their own game, okay? I mean, like, we had no, you know. The- it's because the Saints have no defense. They're a terrible team. You all know this. The Saints are absolutely abysmal. For sure, yeah. Yeah, who's their... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm looking up their skirt on top of the NFC what's, South. Uh, yeah, what's their... What, do they have one loss this year? Which one is it? Oh, yeah, it's Tampa Bay. Yeah. So uh, they played some pretty good teams since then, too, by the way. So they've got plenty of talent on this team. I know... And the thing is, is that it goes back to this do they have what it takes to win thing. And that's a giant cliche that cannot be measured. But... They ju- this team just finds a way to lose all the time, and it's funny. And the reason why I don't think they finish much better than eight and eight, if eight and eight, even with me saying that I I don't think they're a mediocre team, I actually think they're a pretty good team, is because I don't know if they even know how to win. We'll see if Fitzpatrick knows how to. But man, it just it just seems like every week it's something different. Listen, man, you you were raving earlier about him knowing how to win because he's got a winning record. So Who? he's got to be Fitzpatrick? Fitzpatrick. Well, I mean, nobody he's, else has. He's so be the <laughs> maybe uh, I'm just not used to it. The entire game, what I was hoping for, and listen, I'm not the one blaming the defense. The defense didn't play well uh, in the first half, but we gave them about 16 extra possessions because we kept turning the ball over. No defense plays well in this league anymore. <laughs> it's not untrue. Um, <laughs> though the Rams just signed four more all pros somehow. Somehow. Do they have a cap? Do they have a salary cap out there? Or no. is it because like they, you said at the beginning of this podcast, it's a myth. It's a myth. It's a myth. Dude, I saw they signed Dante Fowler. I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Yeah. That's just not right. Yeah. Cause here's the thing. Here's the thing about that too. So they traded a third round pick for Dante Fowler. Yeah. They have Dante Fowler for another eight games, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's eight games, the regular season and then the playoffs. They're obviously all, they're eight. No, right. They're, they're all in on a Super Bowl this year. Yeah. That's what they're doing. So they trade a third round pick for Dante Fowler. Even if Dante Fowler doesn't resign with him, they get a comp pick for it. Yeah. They get a fourth round comp pick. Doesn't so they matter. move down one round to have, to have one of the premier the, the line, po- the, a potentially good pass rusher in the league who may get out there and play with all those other rock stars and decide he wants to stay. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause here's the thing. When you're really good, what you want is a ring. Yeah. You're gonna get paid anyway. Yep. It doesn't matter where you go. Yep. You're getting paid. Yep. Um, about the winning thing, I was the whole game, at least the second half, when the defense really kind of woke up. Um, and by the way, I'm one step away from getting a Carl Nassib jersey. Um, <laughs> but uh, the awesome. uh, I kept hoping the Bucks would remember what it means to create a turnover. There's something to that. We that's what and we I think it's what they're being taught. That's what we used to, now. I know Buckner is a is a voracious. So is Duffner, and so is Duffner. So Mike Smith didn't teach him a damn. What was the clip that I saw the other night? It was on Twitter. I saw a clip, and a linebacker went after a running back and literally didn't go for the tackle, but punched, punched the it. ball out yeah, of his hands. That was, uh, I think, 
well, this happened with Darius Leonard, the Colts linebacker. Mm-hmm. Running back's coming through the hole. He doesn't even go for the tackle, really. He puts his arm out, and he punches the thing out. He just punches it out. Yeah. Who, who other than Levante David on this team does that? Uh, Levante and Quan both are, are pretty aggressive when it comes to that sort of thing. But other than that, we but don't But even Quan, I don't, I don't know if Quan necessarily does it like... Well, he has a tendency to rip from behind. And as we did okay, Julio a couple sure. years ago, yeah, yeah. he does that that's when he's fair. in trail. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but n- yeah. none of the corners on this team, yeah. none of them. Yeah, it's, Hargraves it's, didn't do it. The only other one, I mean, Brent Grimes does it just because he, when Brent Grimes gets his interceptions, he's either that damn athletic or just reads the play that well to where it's an easy pick. It's one of the two. But I mean, yeah. you know, we saw Stewart go for balls, Davis go for ball. I get the rookies. I get it. But you can tell they're not being taught, hey, yeah. that ball's in the air. Guess what? You have every right to get it. Yeah. Go get it. Well, and what's funny is the inverse of that, and only related because it's this particular scenario. I watched Mike Evans do something I've been begging him to do, and not because Mike Evans needs to improve much because he's already a top three receiver in my mind in the league. The guy is freakish. Yeah. Uh, and he, he seems to have no issues with Jameis for some reason. Um, but maybe Jameis is cancerous. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> he boxed out. Yeah. He he runs a dig and gets big and gets a pi. Yeah, it, that's a completion every single down of yeah. every single series. There's not a corner or a safety or hell. I don't care. Put Shaq in there. He's not going through Mike Evans to break that pass up with a P, without pi. All right, so I digress. Yeah, turnovers are something that I'm concerned about. Let's let's look uh, skulls and swords for that game. Um, I, I, I went with the skull for Jameis because I don't think that you can do anything other than that unless you want to call the right guard because they're so terrible and we should play with four offensive linemen. Um, and I give Fitz the sword because he came in cold and just did what he does. The guy the guy plays well. And anyone who takes anything away from Fitz is crazy. I can't remember who did this. I can't remember if it was college or the NFL. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I want to look this up. But they had their tight end line up at right guard. Uh-huh. and be eligible on the play. And they hiked it, and they zone moved one way, and then the tight end, who was the right guard, moved the other way. It was like a fumble ruski? And they threw him the ball. He's not eligible if the tackle's on the line. I don't How did that happen then? I've got to think. I, I, I got to look this up, because I have to show you this. Okay. I, okay. okay. I got to show you. Because it was. I think it was in college. Man, where, where where did I see this? I don't know. I like creative line play. I, I swear the tight end was like where the guard was. Yeah. And they hiked the ball, and he took off. And just like the – there was – I, I don't know if they were in eye formation or the fullback like picked up the rusher that was coming in from that area or whatever, and then they just like threw it to the tight – I, I, I got to look this up. I got to look this up. Okay. Um, look it up. Uh, what, who was your worst player this week and who's your best player? Let's get those covered. And then we'll talk briefly about the Panthers. Cause I know we're getting close to the top of the hour here and I don't want to keep you too late. So, uh, worst player was James Winston. It's not even close. Um, best player was Jason Pierre Paul. Interesting. Yes. Got a sack. You think he was that good all game? Yeah, he got two sacks. Oh, that's uh, right. He did. Didn't he, he, he has been playing great football. He, he's just so all around great, man. Yeah. And, um, is he? Uh, can you imagine this team without him? No. I mean, I mean, they had to, they traded to get this guy, right? I mean, I know for a fact that Jason Light had other options on the table to trade for a guy like Tyron Matthew, who they thought about um, saving the cap, obviously getting Jason Pierre-Paul, using it in other ways, saving that cap room. But they pulled the trigger and they got themselves Jason Pierre-Paul, and my goodness, has it been worth it? This D line would be nowhere without Jason Pierre-Paul. Nowhere. 
Carl Nash would be the best defensive lineman on the field last week. Uh, some might say he is. Um, no, they wouldn't. <laughs> but that jersey, though. Someone with a future Carl Nassib jersey might say that. I would say Jason Pierre-Paul just because of what he means to this defense. Because on a defense that is not generating turnovers, is not generating much, much sack pressure without him, he is winning one-on-one. He is winning on stunts. He's defending the run really well. Um, he's getting pissed off at the other defensive players when they're not giving it their all. He's raising them. Right, he's raising, he's right. he's doing what you want a vet to come in and do. Yep, I, I think he was a total package. It was a great signing. I hate to see that we got Vinny Curry down because I like it when he's in there. I like yeah. when he plays. Vinny's I, a good dude. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you in the locker room after the Chicago game, I've never seen anybody as crushed as Vinny was. He was like this. Vinny was Vinny was almost like pleading with himself. He was like, "This can't be us. Like, I like I won't let this be who we are. There's no way." And in my mind, I'm like, "Hey, bud, you watched Tampa the last couple of years." But good for him because he's he's you know coming from Philly, coming off a of Super Bowl. He was getting embarrassed, forty eight to ten. He he literally looked distraught. He was like, "This can't be us." I no, like I won't let it be. Well, and I think that that speaks to the fact, and we talk about this all the time. Yes, sometimes you get beat forty eight to ten. Most of the time, the difference is a score. Yeah, from the best to the worst. The difference is a score. And if it wasn't a score, it could damn well have been one had not some crazy shit happened. Right. These professional teams are all pretty damn good at the game we call football. That's why Vegas has a lot of big That's why buildings. Vegas has a lot, yeah. Right. So, it, And I know we want it to be different. We want it to be like, oh, look, it's the, it's the, uh, the good wrestler. He's going to beat the bad guy with the mask on, and, yeah. and there'll be a manager that comes out. No, it's not wrestling, guys. It's football. Um, let's look at the Panthers. So we talked about all of this stuff that sets up for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Here he goes. They give him the ball again. Fitzmagic, you're back in. By the way, you're going to face the Panthers, who have quietly been, uh, you know, kicking the shit out of some pretty damn good teams. Yeah, man. Cam Newton continues to quietly play good football. Yeah. McCaffrey continues to quietly gain a trillion yards every time he touches the ball. The defense plays well enough, and they have not just beaten a bunch of slappies. If you wanted a chance for Fitzpatrick to come in and show that he deserves to hold the ball the rest of the season, mm-hmm. this may have been the right time. If he beats Carolina, he's a starter. He beats Carolina, he's and starter, all of a man. sudden, everyone, all of a sudden, things change again. Right? People go crazy. And they all look at the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> but let's look at Carolina. I haven't been able to watch a lot of Carolina. Have you already scouted Carolina this week? Do I you... haven't scouted them, but I just like I know I know what they're doing. Why they're... did I ask you? I should have asked the editor in chief then. Oh. You didn't scout the team. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> By the way, have I mentioned that's vaguely sexual? Oh, I'm going to say that at least goodness. three more times so Get that it sticks out in your head. Out of here, man. <laughs> no, but I know what Car- Carolina's tried and true thing. It's Cam Newton defense. They've got one of the best defenses in the NFL. They lock down. They play better at home better than anybody else, and they let Cam Newton. They. They, they make sure that they give Cam Newton the chance that any time that he could go Superman on them, they're close enough in the game. That's, the, that's Carolina's recipe. That's Ron Rivera's recipe, and that's what they're doing big time this year. You know what I haven't been able to figure out? We actually knew the recipe to stop Cam Newton um, ages ago, and I'm going to screw Just like up. they stopped Mike Vick. Sort of. Yeah. Sort of. Um, it's a little different, and it's really one of those things that I hate bringing up, but it, it's, it's true. Uh, you stop Cam Newton by hitting him in the mouth. Cam Newton is not a tough quarterback. He looks like a tough quarterback because he's big as shit. And he runs the ball with incredulity most of the time. Mm-hmm. But the way to stop Cam Newton is the first four times you get a chance to put a lick on him, you're willing to take a 15-yard penalty. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's what the Bucks used to do to Cam Newton. The Bucks stopped Cam Newton from running for almost a season and a half, and it was a safety, and I can't remember which one it was. Hit him in the mouth so hard, I think his mom felt it. Got a 15-yard penalty. He didn't scramble again the rest of the game, and I didn't see him scramble the rest of the year the way he, he did. 
It's not pretty. It's not the chess. I talked about the chess of football earlier. This is the checkers of football. Yeah. Cam Newton, when he, you talked about momentum players, mm-hmm. right? No question. Cam is a momentum player. No question. You let him Superman your ass, right? No, no, no. Yeah. And I don't know who we have on our defense right now who will step up and bust Cam Newton in the mouth other than maybe Evans. Yeah. Because Evans will put a lick on somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, apparently, apparently Jordan Whitehead will too. That's true. But, Whitehead will too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's that's my take on Cam Newton, and it's not to to dis to downplay how good a player he is. I I think you know building off of that, which I very much agree with you, but I have a different just approach to it. Um, if Cam Newton is smiling, mm-hmm. you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. The only way you beat him is to take a smile off his face. Absolutely. And you got it because Cam, when Cam is having fun, mm-hmm. you can't beat him. But if Cam isn't smiling, you got a chance. And so if you do that early, if you make it, and that's kind of a building off of obviously what you say. If yeah. you can make sure Cam's not smiling, yeah. you got a chance to win. Absolutely. Because he is he is somewhat inconsistent in what he does, but when you get him on a roll, it's tough. So that's what they gotta do. And you know, I I I don't know if anybody on this team is gonna hit him in the mouth just because they don't necessarily bring the kind of players who might need to do that with with that kind of pressure. But uh I don't know. That's an interesting I mean that's a you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Now, defensively, uh, this is going to be the test. Now, uh, the Buccaneers' offense looked very different, and I actually had postulated at one point that I did not think um, that Coach Cutter had left the play sheet in someone else's hands at one point. You thought or didn't think that? I, I thought he had taken the play sheet back based on the play selection. In Cincinnati or no, before no, no, this? No, before this. Before this. Yeah, in Pittsburgh. Yep. yep. Uh, um, that said... The way They've gotten really interesting with their answers about that, by the way. Yeah. Because I don't know if you saw, I believe it was the Munkin press conference. I don't think it was directly after the Pittsburgh game, but so there have been hints, right? Right after the Pittsburgh game, one of the things that Dark Cutter said the most was, we got to run the ball more. Oh, really? Because you didn't run the ball in the first two weeks that you annihilated the teams that you played because you passed the ball the most. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you lose one game because of three turnovers, and all of a sudden, the big th- your big takeaway is, we got to run the ball more? And then after that, that week, I heard Coach Munkin say, we got to run the ball more. And I went, oh, my God. He, you are just being fed that. And then, I think two weeks after that, um, what, what did he say? Oh, what did he say? What did he say? What did he say? I couldn't remember what the philosophy was of it, but it was kind of the same thing. It was, it was along where everybody was like, did he put, take play calling back? And somebody was asking... I think it was Jenna who actually just flat it out sounds like Jenna would ask that flat yeah. out asked Munkin what voice did he hear in his headset and Munkin kind of like smiled and put his eyebrows up and he like very quietly went it was my voice like but I'm like oh yeah. buddy we got something here so. so and and listen if that's true it's not surprising like that doesn't I'm not vilifying Coach Cutter if if when things went south a little bit he decided to try and take things back right sure. that's what leaders do sometimes right you you allow people you delegate oh, but to Derek, people Derek it's the Buccaneers offense oh good lord the offense that we ran early is not the offense that the Buccaneers ran last year Amen. now now one of the things and I talked to Cheryl about this again at the game. One of the things that Fitz has been able to nullify some of the pass rush that is typically given up by the right guard is because he's been able to get the ball out of his hand quickly. He's able to read and react, get the ball down the field. Now, when teams saw that our right guard might as well be just a, a blocking dummy or a cone, they started to stunt against the right guard mm-hmm. because they can get to the quarterback really fucking fast if there's no one there to block them. In fact, sometimes Beninock, in an attempt to block, actually shuttles people further up the field towards the quarterback, which is beyond me. Um, 
it will be interesting to see what Coach Warhop, mm-hmm. Coach Munkin, and maybe Coach Cutter, if he has anything to do with the offensive play calling, I don't know. I'm not saying he does. Um, are able to do to nullify the pass rush and allow Fitzpatrick the opportunity to get the ball down the field. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to see this week. I know that as a Bucks fan, I was excited that I was able to see a game that was exciting at the end. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, I do know that I did make my prediction. I was pounding my chest early this year about, uh, you know, going to go win two of the first three, going to be a top five offense in the league, and they're going to be 11 and five at the end of the year. Right. Three of those things, I will almost, well, two of them are guaranteed. Right, the, the the beginning things are true. Yeah, the top five offense, I would I'd hang my hat on. Yeah, they're still gonna be right? top. They're still yeah, gonna be a top yeah, five yeah, offense. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that's in jeopardy now is my eleven and five prediction. Right, because it's gonna take a pretty goddamn amazing <laughs> run. <laughs> they're gonna have to go eight and one, right? <laughs> what What's the record of the Rams? Oh, uh, there you know. You mean people can win games, right? Oh, okay. There every every game you either win or lose, right? Unless that's you play uh, Cleveland, and then you generally have a chance to tie. Um, but all right, tell me what you think is gonna set up for the Panthers. We can give me a prediction. Um, I think a I think a big X factor is here is Christian McCaffrey. Not just because Christian McCaffrey is talented, but because I went into last week's matchup thinking that Joe Mixon was going to be a tough call for this Buccaneer, or or had the potential to just because of how good of a receiver Joe Mixon is and the kind of threat that he was, and how it was going to be really on the linebackers to to do what they needed to do against Joe Mixon. Well, they failed. Uh, Joe Mixon ran all over them. He caught a bunch of passes on them. It was a really tough first game for our Darius Taylor to come in. And um, and start there and, and handle a guy like Joe Mixon. Christian McCaffrey is the exact same way. And so if they are still somewhat hesitant of him in the passing game, they're not going to be as aggressive to step up in the box to stop him there. And I think he's going to really, unfortunately, that might be a that might be the most telling X factor is how McCaffrey is used and how the Bucks linebackers can adjust to that. Because I believe Kendall Beckwith is practicing this week. He's going to be back at practice. But I, I, he's not going to play. I really don't think he's going to play on Sunday. We're not going to get a Daniel LaRusso who's going to fight? He's I, not going to step under the, into the ring at the All-Valley Tournament? I don't think that he is going to play. I do think he's going to – I believe he is practicing this week, though. Um, the comparison I would have made would have been to Alvin Kamara. Uh, I think that Kamara is used more similarly to McCaffrey. You think? Okay, Offensively, that's fair. but that's I, see fair. Your, I see your uh, – yeah. I'm more concerned about McCaffrey on an option route out of the backfield. Uh, that's what the Saints were beating our teeth in with early in that game. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason, inexplicably, they went away from, I'm going to say, because Sean Payton thinks he's a guru. Um, but I, I do think that he is the the leading indicator. Mm-hmm. Um, offensively, if Fitzpatrick can make the offense do the things that he's made the offense do, with the exception of one first half against Pittsburgh. They can beat anybody. They can score 48 points any week. They can beat any team in the league. Right. So... Your defense can do just what the defense did the right. majority of the season, which yes. is fuck all. And this team can be in it on the last possession, which we hope doesn't come down to a kick because well, something we haven't talked about is our kicker is terrible. No idea how he has a job. I was trying through force of sheer will and passion to start a revolution around Big Cat. <laughs> it failed. I, I can own it. I, I wear it. I wear it as a, a shroud of shame. Listen, a lot of people said Canzaro's coming in, signs the contract, he's got the money, this is hit. Like, there's no pressure. There's no, like, you're losing your job. Like, you are the kicker. And that's what Jason Light did with the contract he gave him and when he signed him and how they treated him and um, the, how they didn't bring different kickers in, nothing like that, basically up to this point. He was like, dude, you're a kicker. Don't let the mental game yeah. get to you. Just kick. Just kick it. So Jason Light kind of did everything that he had. You know who hasn't done everything he's been able to? Canzaro. The dude has missed four extra points 
That is unthinkable. Half the NFL has not missed one. Uh, Bullock came into the... Oh, it's funny that this happened, but the commentator cursed him, so I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm going I'm to say this, but Randy Bullock came into the year, and they said... And they said on the broadcast, Bullock has yet to miss an extra point this season. And I tweeted, not missing an extra point. Imagine. Imagine. That's brutal. He, he had a 40-yard field goal to win the game against the Browns, where they purposely did not run extra plays to get more yards just to set the ball up exactly where he is most comfortable with it. And he shanked that bad boy. He crumbled under the pressure. And that is nothing other than pressure he put on himself. I, The next day, they, he still had a job. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And I thought, you know what? Them not even bringing anybody in, him still being there, they've got faith in him. You know what he does in Cincinnati? He misses a goddamn extra point. And I remember tweeting the, you know, the, you know, the inverted caps and lowercase thing, the, you can't cut him. He made the game winner. And I just said, get out of my mentions. Get out. I had made the comment after the game. Obviously, we're always happy when you win a game. And, you know, a long of field course. goal is exciting. And I was happy for Chandler, too. I was, that too. sucks. Yeah. That sucks to not only miss kicks, but let your teammates down. Have to read tweets from assholes like me who say you should be cut. That sucks. I was I was pumped that he made that last kick. I, I don't think he should have shaved saved his job. No, I but think I, was I think they should have taken his pads kick. as he went Good, back to the back right. Good place. for him. He should have jersey swapped with the best player he could find on that field so he could sell, sell it the it next on eBay. Week. Yeah, we're <laughs> dicks. Now you said we missed four extra points. Is that true? Yeah, I believe so. It's interesting. So ESPN stats, because I, I I wondered this. Uh, ESPN stats have us twenty six of twenty eight. For extra points? For extra points. No, because he missed... Um, he, I remember three he explicitly. Missed, he missed one in Philadelphia, right? Yeah. He missed one in Philadelphia. He missed one against the Falcons. He missed one against the Browns. And he missed one against the Bengals. Yeah, that sucks because these four. stats are wrong. Okay. Well, I was going to go check to see because it's interesting. Uh, it is roughly half, uh, actually almost a third, uh, have not missed any. And then you get the one misses and... You know, it is what it is. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Kicking's boring as shit. They should just fucking ban it in football. All right. What do you see happening uh, against the Panthers this week? Um, Give me a narrative. Go uh, Deckroff. I think. Oh, wow. What an honor. Uh, legend. Um, I don't think the Bucks get it done. I think that being on the road and in Carolina, I think they're too hot right now. Um, if it was in Tampa, it might be a little bit different. But Fitzpatrick is truly going to have to have a heroic game in order for them to get it done. It's hard for me to bet on that happening. Obviously, we talked about that being something that is possible. But it's hard for me to say in all certainty that, that I would believe that would happen over something else. I ultimately think that, like you said, there's not going to be enough on defense to make Cam Newton uncomfortable enough for them to score enough points as where they are going to be able to hold the Panthers to enough points. And so I would say I would say that the Buccaneers are going to lose this one, but I do think it's going to be like uh, 31-27 or something like that. Okay, so bet the over this week is what you're telling me, um, which I agree. I think there's going to be a lot of points. Uh, I always pick the Bucks to win in this segment. I'm never going to tell you to go to Vegas and bet on the Bucks because I don't bet against the Bucks. Uh, I do think it's going to be a very tough game. I think that this will be the game that determines the way the rest of the season goes. Sure. I never do that early, right? I never talk it because mathematically it's just not true. Sure. But midway, if they lose, because this, this is the thing, the Saints are what, 7-1? and one? Are they 7-1? Yeah. The Panthers are 5-2 and two or 6-2? and two? It's like NFL standings. I'm not memorized. I uh, they're five and two or six and two, whatever they are. 
if they win this game, they are then uh seven and seven and two or six and two, whichever one. It's six and one, five and two, and then the Falcons okay. and the Bucks are three and four. Okay. So if the Bucks call fall to three and five, if the but even let's just let's just take the Bucks out of it. If the Panthers move to six and two and the Saints are six and one, seven and one, whatever it's gonna be. There's one wild card spot left in the end. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it, it like it's it is over. Yeah. Carolina's got it wrapped up. They have that second wild card spot wrapped up. If not the division, if the Saints drop a couple. So right. Well, it's interesting to see when you look at the Panthers, 178 points for, 152 points against. Uh we're two hundred and one points for. <laughs> 233 points against. Incredible. It, it is the stats are ugly. Incredible. Like I was looking at the stats for the Cincinnati game. We gained I don't know 897 yards on most the, yards in franchise history in a single game. And can't fucking win. Um, win. Uh, but what I was saying was uh, I I think the Bucks score over 40 this week somehow, and and Fitzpatrick turns us around. If they score over 40, they win. I think that's. I'm the with difference. you. I'm with you there. If they I score think they have 40, to get to win. 40. I think they have to get to 40. Um, and I think that that's going to require uh Coach Munkin to call the call the plays. We can't do this bullshit uh, toss sweep on third and short uh, cutter ease. We just can't do it. Yeah, Whoever's calling it. It could be Coach Munkin calling it. Right? I'm not trying to say that he got the... I don't, I don't know who called that, but back-to-back run plays just, on the goal line. Like, come on, man. Just stop. You literally, you literally got a gift from God, the fact that it wasn't a safety on the first run. And then you ran a stretch, a stretch. like a toss or whatever it was. It was I a stretch. It was a stretch, right? It was a stretch. You ran stretch on the goal line with a team that can't run zone. There's another piece I want to talk about before we get out of here. And we're eight minutes overdue. I apologize, you guys. Thanks for staying with us. And thank you, uh, Trevor, for staying late. Of course. Um, uh, crowd says, uh, Kat, you know, Kat, Skip says 19 to 23. You're absolutely right. Uh, Kurt says, fuck kicking for the extra point. Run a two for, he's going with the Thomas Passenger. Oh, hell yeah. Two I see time. Thomas caping for that all the time. Yeah. Uh, Kurt McDonald says the Bucks win six to three in a low-scoring uh, battle. <laughs> <laughs> I love our chat room. Um, we we run a uh, I don't know what they call it, what their actual play call is, but it's essentially a, a, a reverse boot action that we were always trying to get. It worked well for us for a number of years, where we take the tight end from the strong side, reverse him around, he goes to the other side. OJ Howard scored a touchdown on it. Cam Brate scored a touchdown on it. We scored love the two. play, right? We love the play. It works well. We have the right personnel to run it. Mm-hmm. That tight end is almost always open. It worked really well when people hadn't seen it 27 times. Mm-hmm. People have seen it now. Mm-hmm. It has not worked the last six times we've run it. You can still make it work, though. If someone would bother to watch film and realize that defensive end is staying home. right? Jameis is a pretty athletic, a deceptively athletic quarterback, mm-hmm. and he can't escape a good D end out there. right? And so that play just falls apart. Right. Best case is he gets sacked for a one-yard loss, sure. maybe stumbles ahead. If they would just crack down with that wide receiver on that side, this play works the next three times they run it. And they get to ear hole a defensive end. Why is this not obvious? Uh, you know. Right. It, it is it literally the same play. You you watch the all twenty two, you know exactly the play I'm talking oh, about. Yeah, hundred percent. And what you see now is our quarterback make the play action and turn around and then shit himself because he's staring down the nostrils of a defensive end who's about to take his head off. Yeah. And if you took a Chris Godwin, because you're not gonna throw the ball to Chris, you're not gonna throw the ball to the Z on this play. It's he's not a viable target. Right. Just use him to block. Anyway, I you just want him to go the other way, like um, yeah, ear hole. Yeah. What you're saying? I want him to because yeah, the t- the tackle is d- dumping right. to go full flow left. Right. They're not going to call it. A, they're not going to call a penalty on a DN. No, no, no. Ear hole the damn defensive end. And even if you do get the penalty, guess what? You just ear hole the defensive end. Do you think he's going to go with an outside move next time? Yeah. 
No. Yeah. Not for a couple plays. Yeah. And there's, then it gets there, there is something to tone setting. There's I just, I just don't it. understand it when football lost its balls. Um, anyway, uh, Trevor, thank you for coming out. Tell people how they can find your stuff, where they can read your stuff. The cover three this week was very good. I love that you recounted the Jameis Winston story. Uh-huh. And uh, it's good stuff as always. Uh, tell them where they can find you. Yeah, uh, at Tampa Bay Trey on Twitter, Tampa Bay, and then T-R-E is where you can find me. That's where all my tomfoolery happens. And then all my writings to the Buccaneers on PeterReport.com. But not just me, Scott and Mark, um, Matt and Taylor, we and Andrew too. And Andrew's been taking over social media and doing a lot of video stuff for us. So Your video stuff has been killing it, by the I way. I know, man. Andrew has been, uh, Andrew's been such a great addition in that regard. And so um, we're having a big year. We're doing a lot of fun stuff this year. And so make sure you guys are checking out PeterReport.com. Derek, thanks so much for having me. I really, like I said, I said last time, this is, uh, as someone who has grown up watching, listening to Tampa Bay sports, this is was a bucket list like podcast for me to come on. And so this is a lot of fun, man. I appreciate well, it. That's kind of you to say, and we'll have you back when we get the actual Studio 76 back up and running, uh, and we'll do a like some sort of a panel show. I want to thank you guys for listening. We'll get this podcast up directly. It was good to be back, and uh, hopefully we'll be back again next week and have something good to talk about. I'd love to have a win to talk about. Yeah, It'd be fantastic. Go. So uh, for Trey and myself and for the whole What the Buck crew, we are out of here.